Hello and welcome back to another episode of Going Through the Motions with me, Callum. And me, Alex. How's it going, guy? The podcast guy. Just a guy. You guy. I just, oh. I just neglected. I'm not, to I'm not your buddy guy. On. I'm not your buddy guy. I'm not your guy buddy. I'm not your guy friend. <laughs> nice. Oh, that was. Just, Should we go again? Oh, Should we go again? Or we keep that one in? No, I keep that in. Keep it in. I, I meant kill. to say how's it going, guys. Ah, you know the okay. drill by now. I say it. I say it enough. Well, there we go. You saved me because we are the podcasting equivalent of an incomplete sentence. Yeah. That that's not what you were gonna say, was it? That's not what you're gonna say. You amended it. It was good, like quick thinking on your feet. Bloody, bloody, bloody got there. Bloody got yeah. there. How are you? I'm very. I've well. not seen you in a while. No, I know. We've both been quite busy, actually. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I'm a bit. I'm a bit through the through the mill today because we've. Um, yeah, been been a relatively busy week. But um, I'm kind of I'm I'm you obviously know this, so I'm going to explain this one to the listeners. I'm kind of confined to the bedroom today, um, and not not in a good way. In, 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 in the, the worst g- of the <laughs> not, not in the way we all hope. <laughs> not in the way we all hope, but but in the way that none of us hope. Yeah. In the and it is my girlfriend that's confined me here, and it's not because I've been and again not in the good way. It's because no, exactly. Um, she's working today on a Saturday. On a we Saturday? are in a very small. Exactly. What is this? Yeah. She she's picked up a second job doing a, a paper and they're having a paper oh, right <laughs> no, she... so the fact that she's off cycling delivering papers means you're confined to the bedroom confined to the bedroom absolutely because exactly. if you go she's... out you're gonna knock over all the piles of paper and then she comes Honestly, back it's, to piss, it's like a bloody all up it's like a printing press through there she was like that she was like oh we're gonna do the paper round and there's gonna be a bit of extra cash in there yeah forgot to tell me that the full old 1930s printing press is now taking place in the room and it's leaking oil everywhere yeah. honestly i'm not gonna get the deposit back no uh no she's she's working she's on a call um an international call as it were oh my. um with people in all different time zones and unfortunately this was the only time that they could all meet which has pushed us uh back to this point so i am now confined to the bedroom for i think the rest of the day oh <laughs> although i might try and sneak out the flat to get to the gym uh but i'm not I'm that not would sure be very what. sneaky if you were ma- if, you, if you managed to sneak. do that do 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 <laughs> sneaking out the window do 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 with like a well, a loot bag over my shoulder Absolutely. Absolutely. Got to get the mask on. Got to get that kind of this kind of Umbrella Academy esque masks on. Speaking of which, you know how we did Justice League last week? Do you know what we? (laughs) How could I forget? Do you know what we didn't talk about? Uh, what did... Was the f- was the first sequence where the guy came out? You know when ba- you first introduced Batman in the Justice League and he's fighting the criminal on the roof. Oh yeah. He he may as well be a 1930s or 1940s style criminal with a yeah. looped bag over his shoulder. Yeah, yeah, and tip, he was. Tiptoeing, creeping, wasn't it? it was my mental. my my uh, my other favorite part about that scene is <laughs> they decided that the guy that Batman was going to beat up on the roof was going to ask Batman the perfect questions to progress the yeah. plot along. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, nah. <laughs> yeah. That was it was magnificent. Shall we not shall we not get back into Justice League because But I like I yeah. like the I like the trend or the talking points of the criminal piece because actually I in today's um episode I learned a really fun fact. Um, and I've got a lot of facts about today's episode, and Ooh. not all of them music-related, but some really interesting stuff. And one of them is related to criminals, um, which we will get to, I think, when we get uh, when we get onto the subject. Yeah. Um, but before we go any further, I just wanted to let you know, Alex, that we are a music and movies podcast, um... and each week we will talk and discuss some of our most favourite music and movie combinations. And we often go uh, into the ones that we 
love and that we have such heart heartfelt respect for and they've just done an amazing role in terms of creating a beautiful combination of soothing scores and and combining that with stunning visuals mm-hmm. uh, and this week um we have probably chosen the best example or best inclusion of a visually stunning um and audibly stunning i guess for lack yeah. of a better word combination and it is the peanut butter and jelly it's the match made in heaven this is a movie that when i first when you first announced oh i think we should do this movie i said yeah fine fine and i went away from it and then i listened to the score in the soundtrack and I think there's no other word to describe the score. Oh, it's Finding Nemo, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you, you know, I, I think this is a recurring complaint from me. Is you build up every movie, and then you never say what it's called. You never just say the name of the bloody film. That's that's called a trademark, Alex. That's my thing. That's a that's trademark. That's what we do. A yeah, trademark fuck-up. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I probably should let you come in with that next time. But the... Um, the yeah of course finding Nemo. but what i what my thoughts my first thoughts were when i was re-listening to the score for this and i did watch it again last night crammed it in, yeah, crammed, crammed it in. It in. i mean it's um, only an hour and a half long it's not that long but i re-watched it again i re-listened to the score again and it's it very much is a musical more than actually a, a film score because when you listen to the score you can see all the scenes you can see it all yeah in your head especially the first you know the first quarter of the movie well finding almost through composed yeah i mean finding nemo is one of the soundtracks that i listen to on like regular rotation and it's one of the ones that i don't feel like i need the film to enjoy more Mm, i can just mm. i can just listen to this soundtrack from beginning to end and maybe it's because i'm sure it's a little bit because i watched this movie a lot growing up i think yeah Throughout my childhood, this has been one of my favorite. Mm. And sometimes, depending on my mood, I would probably say my absolute favorite Pixar movie. Mm. Uh, I just well, I, I mean, love it so much. And I watched it a hell of a lot. And I think maybe I, maybe when you listen to the soundtrack, having that familiarity with the movie, yeah, you almost don't need it. I think Finding Nemo for a large part is that like finding has got a really special place with us because at the end of the day you know it came out when i was 10 years old mm. you know and a movie that captures you as a 10 year old like that oh yeah. my goodness it was and, really special to see on the big screen as well because yeah. the you know the the, the aquatic visuals are amazing. absolutely amazing like yeah i feel like this is one of the earliest examples of Pex of Pexar, <laughs> Pixar. Because I was I was saying they were gonna flex, and then I went and then I said Pex. Flexar. Oh, this is that's Pexar. a good one. Yeah, Pixar's flexing. Yeah, no, Pixar really was flexing their digital animation chops at this point. Mm. I think because like with the water kind of graphics, and I wonder if this movie was crafted out of that surge in technology well out of that kind of oh we can do water really well well it's really great that you say this mate because uh, one of my first fun facts for finding nemo was from the visuals department and actually pixar developed a very very realistic look for the surface of the water 
um, but had to actually make it look more fake so that people wouldn't think it was real footage of the ocean. So the technology they had, I mean, as you say, like it stands up the water. It does. It's, you're just like, oh my God. But the fact that they probably had to put in an extra couple of like monotone colors and stuff mm-hmm. just to make it blend in, because I think it's, it's like, and I think you said it recently, because I did, you, you mentioned a couple of episodes ago to watch The Good Dinosaur. Yeah. Um, and because you said it was kind of like the precursor for the Lion King in terms of the kind of the backgrounds just looked very almost too real. Yeah, they're, especially they're almost completely photorealistic. And one photorealistic, of the, one of the things I love about the Good Dinosaur is the characters are incredibly cartoonish to kind of juxtapose. Yeah, that that's a good of, point. That, that kind of style. And I, because I remember watching the Good Dinosaur recently, and the water in the river, like it looks magnificent. Yeah, like it you wouldn't looks be able to tell. So you wouldn't. But and I think it's a bit of a difference because obviously reading this fact, I was thinking, well, well, you know, maybe they they had the capability to do that before. Yeah. And it's amazing to think that actually Pixar, I guess it probably wasn't even the same person that made the decision, but you know, you've got this. You've got this, like, as you said, juxtaposed 2018, 2019 film that kind of came out with with almost photorealism. But they all they had that capability back in 2003 and chose not to put it in. Like, that's mental. Yeah. Like, that's really quite crazy. No, it really is. Um, But no, as I said, 2003, um, this this movie was released, which feels longer ago than it should have done. Because it, this one doesn't feel that old. It definitely doesn't look that old. No, it doesn't. Um, it really doesn't fam- look that old. Famously directed by Andrew Stanton. Um, so Andrew Stanton obviously went on to, to, to write. He was the writer for Toy Story 2, yeah. writer for Finding Dory, and for my one of my personal favorites, Wally. Yeah. Um, and an amazing cast. And obviously the, the person that I wanted to talk about most in terms of the cast... Um, was actually we've we've talked about him before in one of our very early episodes of the show mm-hmm. uh, during the film Drive we had Albert Brooks. Now, this is often the whenever we watch I watch Drive with someone I say, see that guy, see that evil gangster that's Marlon. going around. In, yeah, that's Nemo's dad. <laughs> that's Marley, and it's amazing, isn't it? It's 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 like his his role that he the, the role that he pulls off. It was originally supposed to be William H Macy, by the way. Oh, really? So yeah, so William H that Macy would have been good was, as well. I think so, but I think it, there was a there was quite a high. It was actually quite a high up decision that was made. I don't know the full story on that one, but it was supposed to be William H Macy, uh, and then Albert Brooks kind of came in and re-recorded a lot a lot of the lines. Um, he's quite a good voice actor. No, it is. He's Brooks. got a very he's got a very very iconic voice, and I, I mm. actually I think that's a it, it it's kind of a theme for a lot of Pixar's casting actually, like to have these really these really iconic voices from these really iconic actors, but somehow, you know, the writing is so good and the characters are so good that you, you forget who the actors are. And there's another big example of that in this movie. And that's Gil. Oh my goodness. Willem Dafoe. Well, because how many times do I have to remind myself that that bloody fish is Willem Dafoe? Yeah. Spoiler alert. Every single time. Yeah, every single yeah. time I just I forget that that is Willem Dafoe because I just see Gil mm. and then I'm reminded and I'm like, oh, bloody hell, that's Willem Dafoe. Brilliant. Well, bef- whilst we're on the subject of Willem Dafoe and Gil. So I want to get back to the whole father son thing because yeah. there's some really beautiful. Um, I've got really I've got a really lovely story actually as well for you about this one. Um, but before we get onto that, we have touched on Gil, but I did read somewhere something quite interesting mm-hmm. was that actually the character of Gil was changed quite a lot because ultimately they wanted he is the story of Gil is that he is the only fish that is not from eBay or 
Fred Farms Fish or yeah. Fish to Go or any of these places. Yeah, yeah. Gill is in fact from the ocean. Yes. Um, and there was a, a, a sort of a story element of this film, and I, and I, I read quite a lot about how this film could have been a seriously long film and they had to cut out a lot of things and it's a brevity is key for this sort of film as you said it is short yeah well, i think i think i almost feel like these filmmakers have kind of marching orders from higher up to mm. aim for an hour and a half because yeah, you can't capture a kid's attention for <laughs> because pretty much all of them are an hour and a half this one's an hour 40 yeah yeah i never know whether or not that includes the credits or not i suppose it probably I does i think it does yeah but even still an, so, hour, so, an hour 40. So if you did include an extra little story element, get the character of Gil was supposed to have a really uh, a really deep backstory. And his backstory is to be very intricate about how he, how he had his lucky fin and, you know, what happened in his story and how yeah. he was, you know, c- caught from the ocean. They do, Almost, they do touch on that, for, on that first escape. Yeah, and they, they, but, they, but they, apparently in the story element of this, it was supposed to be a really swashbuckling story. Oh, right, and then okay. it was supposed to be revealed that one of the books in the dentistry was to fall over and the fish were to read the blurb of the book. And it turns out that Gil is actually retelling the story of a pirate from a storybook. Oh, and so it's he's not actually made, him. And it's not actually him. Oh. So he's made up this big story. But they decided to they decided to remove that because they, it, it felt that Gil, it made Gil quite unlikable as a character. Yeah, um, wow, that's dramatic. So let me, would it have turned out would it have turned out that he wasn't actually from the ocean at all? And actually, well, that's, and actually he was also just like every other fish in there, but he right. couldn't stand that fact. That's right, Ooh, yeah. Ooh, that's juicy. Yeah, yeah it I is really juicy. like that. <laughs> yeah, now, now it brings me back on to, uh, when I say unlikable characters, it brings me back to Marlon, because the, the other element that we talked about and I wanted to get into was Marlon and Marlon's story. And, and I guess re-watching this, I... I watch it again and I roll my eyes because he's very worrisome. He is extremely um, but, worrisome. But, but they, but they, again, another writing element that was removed, but it was used for Finding Dory, the the, the sequel, mm-hmm. was that they they decided to include find uh, they decided to include uh, elements of the coral marlin tragic backstory rather than doing it all as a one big expedition exposition dump at the start they decided there was a decision to maybe flesh out a little bit more and use flashbacks as the movie went on so you slowly understand why he's so worrisome and why it's just the two of them um but they decided to scrap that idea and put it all at the start i mean i i I don't have a problem with that i mean i i think that opening packs enough of an emotional punch oh my goodness yeah it really does it's it's like it's like up before up isn't it? Yeah. Now the the I guess like my thought always was, what if things had gone to plan? They would have had about two hundred kids swimming about, and he can only manage one. Yeah. Like what? Like that would have been a completely different. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you imagine that's going? Um, but the the point that it brings on to as well, and I guess it's an overarching thing. What what's the overarching? The overarching story with all Pixar movies, there's always a there's always an underlying theme. Okay. Yeah. You know you have. Um, I think Brave is a great example because Brave is a mother-daughter story, a really interesting mother-daughter mm-hmm. story. Yeah. You have films like Coco, which is the celebration of life, and it's a celebration that actually, you know, um, you, you know, when you die, you're not forgotten. And yeah, you but also, to... but also of culture and heritage as well. Culture, exactly. And 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 you bring and there's so there's so many just overarching themes and obviously the theme of finding nemo is father son yeah and it's a it's a father-son relationship um now what what's really lovely is obviously you know maddie and i met in a summer camp in america mm-hmm. um, and we were looking after some of the older kids and i'm sure you won't mind saying this but one of the kids was a kid called nemo 
Um, like genuinely. Genuinely, he was called Nemo. Fabulous. And the reason, the reason why he was called Nemo was because his dad worked in the visual departments for Pixar. No way. Yeah, and I believe, and so uh, when his son was born, I believe the son was born in sort of 2002, 2003 time, and they named him, or probably a little bit before that, but they named him Nemo. Wow. Yeah, so it was a it was a really lovely and and they loved it was his Nemo it was his one of his most favorite movies and he watches it with his dad it was just yeah. a really sweet little story that's um, lovely but yeah that's it there anyway we are not just a music a movie podcast we're also a music podcast apparently over to you, over to, over oh to right you. I thought I've missed that I missed that one well the music for this movie was written by Thomas Newman, who mm. is a composer that we have featured on the podcast a few times now, I think. Mm, yeah, he's, yeah, he's a regular. He comes in. I know what he orders usually. Yeah. <laughs> same again, Thomas. He's like, same again. Yeah. Stumbling around the bar, like, you know what I mean? Just yeah, like deep, eating the peanuts. Deep fried Donner pizza. That's what he, exactly, that's what yeah. he gets. Just, what, just to go. He puts it in his pocket. Every, every single time. But no, as I said before... I absolutely love the soundtrack of this movie. And I think one of the reasons why I do is because the sound world is incredibly evocative of the ocean. The first track that you hear, which is titled on on the soundtrack as Wow, which is the moment where I think that's the first word of the movie, isn't it? Is that the first word of the movie? Coral Coral says Wow, yeah. Mm -hmm. But and I'm not entirely sure what the orchestration is doing. I don't think there's no electronics involved. This is just an effect that's just purely orchestral instrumentation. But I always feel like it sounds like, you know, when you try and speak underwater mm. and it's both incredibly clear and incredibly muffled at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it's, yeah. The sound is really, really close to you, mm. but it's it's like it's smothered by a pillow you know that yeah. you know that kind of sound yeah that makes sense i, th- I think and i sense. feel like a lot of the music in the movie and especially at the beginning here really sets that sets that scene mm. really mm. kind of gets that sound and i really and i really really love it what i was going to say mate was uh this was the first pixar film not to be scored by his cousin uh randy Newman. Yeah. So this was this was a really big change for Pixar. Now, uh, I guess we've got two changes of thought coming up here. I've got a question I wanted to ask about a fact I know, or we could go back to the score and go through that in a in a kind of uh, a sort of normal esque order. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask this question, and hopefully this leads into a lot of the score pieces. So my yeah. fact is that Thomas Newman's score was performed by a hundred and five piece orchestra. Okay, a hundred and five. Yeah, is that now? That's quite big, is it? terms of orchestra standards uh, it's bigger than not yeah <laughs> bigger than not is it it's really bigger so, what's, than not. so i i know i've got a few sort of high up questions but i guess that the overarching theme of the questions is that this is a hugely rich sound like when you listen to this the it's just it's so immersive yeah. like it's an immersive sound like you are underwater you're there yeah and there's just it, it's the 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 deep drones that it can create and then the yeah. beautiful high strings and stuff but what 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 really does that mean what does that fact actually mean? A 105-piece orchestra, what does that mean for a film score? Well, it means a lot of money's been thrown at it. <laughs> Is that, that right? Yeah. Well, you know, musicians are musicians are expensive. You yeah. know, time 
time is money and when you you know i've i've gone through quite a lot of this training and you know i've talked to people in the profession about certain aspects of performing music performing orchestral music and recording for a movie soundtrack or making any sort of recording this would include you know if you were doing session strings for like a band or something mm. well, any kind of any mm. kind of recording you know an advert commercial whatever you need to get it first time yeah and often you'll only get the music on the day yeah or and especially in especially in movies like this right and especially movies that are high profile you can imagine what's going on out there sorry can you hear a helicopter flying over the top yeah i can they, they found me they found you <laughs> <laughs> the gigs, I've gotta the go. gigs up <laughs> exactly yeah no come out with your hands up <laughs> if you could imagine if you can imagine for example the new star wars movies right yeah even the musical i don't scores, want to but okay. even though musical <laughs> scores of those movies would have been closely guarded secrets and the musicians wouldn't have seen them until like day of. Oh, is that right? Is 100%. it hundred percent? I mean, I can't say wow. that for truth, but this is, this is what I suspect. And there's a really famous example. I was talking to one of the violinists who was in the London Philharmonic Orchestra when they recorded the music for Lord of the Rings. Oh, wow. Oh goodness. And so she was in the orchestra for recording Lord of the Rings. And she said it was this one of the single best like musical experiences of her professional mm -hmm. life, but it was one of the worst professional experiences of her life because when they put Lord of the Rings together, mm -hmm. especially the first movie mm -hmm. and the and the second movie, the editing was not finished by the time that the orchestra puts in because that's one of the last layers to go on. Right. Basically because, I mean, you've seen this, because yeah, yeah. you know we've gone to films and concerts at the royal albert hall and stuff like that and you can see the conductor's got a screen and a click track and stuff like that yes. beforehand so that the process of that is exactly the same as when they're actually making the movie in the first place there would be a final cut of the movie that would need to be scored mm. however in the yeah. case of lord of the rings a final cut did not exist and Howard Shore was having to change things as they were recording and rewrite oh, wow. things as they were recording, which in and itself to be put up with that and to come out with the music that he did is mm. miraculous. Oh yeah, completely. But also I know because they, they recorded the first one in the Watford Coliseum. Oh really? Yeah. Because that okay. was a huge orchestra as well. It couldn't fit inside Abbey road. Really? And, uh, <laughs> And they were there for I think a week, a week and a half, or something mm. like that. It was like nine or it was like a nine or ten day contract, and they were there till like two or three in the morning, most so I, days. I would, which would you is nuts. Most of the time, you would get booked for like three days, and you'd have like standard working hours. Really, but you know, Lord of the Rings, the the editing was such a mess for that particular aspect of it that they would have had to pay through like oh they yeah, would have had it, it to would pay have been costly. so so much for all that overtime for all those musicians and all that so you know that was just an example of how expensive it can get quite quickly 
but what in terms of the quality then that the what what why explain to me why a 105 piece orchestra is better than a 60 piece orchestra well quite simply it's just an extension of you know five players are better than one you know when and it's the same for all sections of the orchestra but i'm you know going to obviously talk about this from a string playing perspective a single string instrument does not sound the same as a string section Mm. so a violin one violin cannot and will never sound the same as you know 20 violins yeah seriously and and never will and it's because you know we're trained as orchestral musicians to blend with each other to Mm. match people's sound and Mm. that creates a completely different sound entirely so you know you grow that exponentially with all Mm. these different instruments and there are a lot of weird instruments that uh, come on come up and hear a lot i can hear lots and lots of interesting percussion and like mm-hmm. electric guitars and mm. lots a of, lot of the lots harp of thing. yeah, the yeah, yeah. Sack. lots of things lots of things like that and it'll just be a very well designed orchestra well you you use the word mingling and mixing with other musicians and stuff because ultimately what my takeaway from this and i was thinking this as i was, I was watch, walking to the shops listening to it this morning on that fact it was mulling over and i was thinking almost he's created um a coral hasn't he yeah. he's created he's created a small ecosystem an, where all the, all the instruments to think about it yeah m- move in and out all the different instruments and this parts like there's fish and they're all dancing and it's that kind of chaos and that's that was my theory of that organized what he's created. chaos yeah that kind of organized chaos yeah it is it, um and i guess then let's let's touch back on to thomas newman so my yeah. other fact was john lassiter considered danny elfman to score the film and uh, when he turned it down hans zimmer was asked uh, but he turned but he also turned it down so there's a similar kind of trajectory there almost where they went obviously from last week with justice league we kind of had the the opposite where it was hans zimmer junkie xl then on to yeah, 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 yeah. but it was it was and as we i guess we talked about danny elfman probably wasn't the right person to do justice league but definitely probably could have done a really good job of this because definitely it's more although with his... although i will say i do i love the music that we have so oh, yeah. so 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 oh, much yeah, that i yeah. can't imagine anyone else and i wouldn't wish anyone else no on it at all no. and there are some movies where i would like to hear other other takes on movies even mm-hmm. on scores that i really really like mm-hmm. but for this one i'm like nope yeah it's, yeah, no it's one else. wonderful don't touch it no and it, it. it takes me on to another early track in the soundtrack, which is, I think, well, it's definitely my favorite theme of is it Nemo the movie. Egg? It's Nemo Egg. Nemo Egg. Oh, Nemo my Egg. And it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and, and, and it obviously it, it appears just as the most, you know, the harrowing up style intro happens and then it fades into the kind of the water and the moonlight and the the the, the title cards start coming up don't they and yeah. it's oh my goodness it's an incredibly yeah. personal melody and i think the reason i love it so much is it is as i say personal and simple mm. and smaller in scale smaller in the ensemble it's yeah. single instrument melody and very simple harmonies underneath you know marlin's just lost his partner in life and something like 300 eggs or however much there's and it's just one left and he's got to and he vows to look after this one child that he has Mm. left and what accompanies that promise is this incredibly touching personal 
simple melody and oh, when I'm, yeah. and when a melody is beautifully simple it makes it so much more engaging and you feel the emotion behind it a lot more i think mm. yeah the 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 other one obviously is the field trip score so we have first day and it's the kind of yeah. waking while that i'm going to school and then you have field trip and field trip is the it that's the beautifully expansive piece of music yeah. this the the one that kind of shows you the whole ecosystem that the two of them live in yeah i mean um, what's happening in the movie is exactly as you say there like there's you know on the way to school and when mr ray picks them up and takes <laughs> them brilliant. mr ray yeah he's good mr when i love when this mr. song ray that he sings i love the song that he sings as well i think because... it's, it's a it, it's a play on it, it's a play on the element song isn't it yeah yeah that's but what the, it's inspired by the, surely the thing that the thing that i love about that is that in my head when i was watching it last night i get the impression that he <laughs> i get the impression that maybe like he is like I, I my theory on Mr. Ray is that he's not actually a scientist or a doctor. I think he's just a bit of a he's he's like a harmless like goofball that lives in the sea and they're all like, we'll just give our kids to him for a bit because he thinks he's a scientist. Yeah. Because his his teaching method is oh and he's like, everybody join in. And all the kids are like, I have no idea what this fucking song is, but we we sing it every single day. Yeah. And until one day we'll just learn it. And that bit when he goes, and the and my one of my most favorite lines as well, and I never used really to get it was he goes is there a problem over here sir i am a scientist i love, I love that. that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, uh, i'm a scientist uh, <laughs> i know i made a mistake with mr ray actually because i thought that this it's was... one of the writers that vo voices him as well well see i thought it was john ratzenberger yeah but it's not because they have no. and i I'm not really going to apologize too hard for this because I think they've got they very similar voices. Yeah, they do, they do. But John Ratzenberger comes up a lot, um, a lot later. John Ratzenberger obviously important because he has a voicing role in every single Pixar movie. What a what a legacy! Like right? what a legacy! Really, what a legacy! <laughs> there cool was there was that? another little Pixar nugget, a little Easter egg that I picked up on in this scene. And yeah. I don't know if it's a real one or not. And I didn't actually bother to Google it and find out if it was real or not. But I was so convinced. I was so convinced of it that I didn't bother Googling it. And it's when Mr. Ray picks up all the kids and he's basically he basically says the equivalent of hands, feet and objects to yourself. Right. Yes. Uh -huh. And then and he and he addresses that to one of the fish. What one of one of the small kids and the kid goes, oh or whatever because he's like yeah. oh that means you some yeah, what, what yeah, name and then yeah. the the kid says oh man and it sounds exactly like yeah. when it starts raining in toy story one and sid says oh man and oh. smacks his head in the window and i am so convinced they just pulled that sound file and stuck it in i am oh, i am so convinced of that that I didn't, oh. I didn't even bother googling it. It's fact. It just, well, there you go. It's it, fact. it just, it just sounded identical to me. There's also, there's also a phrase that Mister Ray says that always reminds me of you when he goes, "Hey, I wonder where my class has gone." <laughs> For some reason, why on earth does that remind? I think you, I think you used to do that. I think you used to do that impersonation. How does he sound, Alex? <laughs> I wonder where my class has gone. <laughs> That wasn't why. bad, actually. It's, that wasn't bad. And the way they animate it is actually really great, that scene. Um, We're under here! <laughs> the, the, something that I want to talk about, just back to the music quickly, is, as you said, it, 
it's a I, I love that word the the word stop laughing i love the, no i, I just the word no no sorry sorry slight slight tangent gotta try i've just remembered something in that scene that that reminds me of you as well oh what one it's the kid that gets it it's the kid that gets in his nemo's face and says i'm obnoxious <laughs> <laughs> It's such a funny, funny moment. It's yeah, such a good I, gag. The, um, oh. the, the, uh, the, the, the piece of music that I, I really like, and I, and I guess like, so we talked to, you met, you said a really good word for it. And it's, it's a very personal score. It's a very personal score, even though it's a huge expansive and it's, as you said, the melodies are really personal. Now there is a piece of music. And there is a scene that accompanies it not long after the ones that we're talking about where we have the divers and the, the piece of music called Lost. Yeah. Now, those two pieces of music, I, what I like the most about the, the Finding Nemo score is, especially the Finding Nemo film, is that portion of the movie. The portion of the movie where he loses his son and right up till after the shark attack. And I want to talk a little bit about that whole portion because you actually have a really dark... 20 20 minutes of the movie quite there yeah uh, right there and it's done in a couple of ways it's done through the visuals and what you're seeing and then also the music that it creates and it starts with the music and the, the track lost is amazing and if you listen to it it's almost nirvana-esque yeah in that kind of like something in the way it sounds like that at the start you know the sequence where marlon's chasing after the boat and the boat that's slow it's just out it's outgunning yeah, and yeah, he slowly yeah. just loses the, the and it's plays this it, it's like a gut-wrenching it's just like it's visceral yeah there's like, a oh i know exactly God. what you're talking about it's like a it's really reverberating bass yeah. piano notes yes that's goes, it that's it dum, bang, bang. and i think and i suspect and i suspect that i suspect that there's a massive grand piano in that recording room yeah and yeah. they've taken the lid off it and they've taken all the dampeners off it yeah and in fact, they're not even, they're probably not even hit striking the strings with piano keys. They probably just got a hammer out and just whacked yeah. the strings directly inside oh. the piano. And it just the like Phillips endless, hammer. endless reverberation. Oh, it is. It, I would say, I would, go as far as, I would go as far as say that's probably my favorite track, that that one, because it's, 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 it captures that horrible sequence where he's lost his son. You know, he's losing yeah. his son. He's, he's lost everyone. Now he's lost his son again. And it's, and I think it's perfect. It's and and then and and we talked a little. Sorry, I talked a little bit about the next sequence where it kind of leads into the the, the sharks um, and the whole fish are friends or friends not food. Genius, um, genius. I mean, amazing. It's an iconic piece of cinema. Iconic, fish are yeah. friends not food. And 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 friends not food. The track is amazing as well because it captures the same. Uh, I, I guess the same tone that Lost the track did because you have the visuals and 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 i guess let, let's kind of let's really like deconstruct what we see because what we see is uh the bruce the shark who's amazing like i mean I'm, yeah. i guess we're just skating over how f fucking brilliant that is and all the australian barry humphreys yeah he's amazing so barry Humphreys, and he also does the voice of the goblin king in yeah uh, the hobbit yeah, yeah. Uh, amazing as soon as i put those two together i couldn't unsee it <laughs> yeah exactly. i couldn't unsee it <laughs> he's brilliant but the but 
what that sequence does personally it brings a real amount of terror because you've got because what it does right it, it you see the shark right you see the shark and hello. you go that's hello <laughs> no it's when it's just when they turn around and and it's just this the humongous shark just grinning away just going so it was <laughs> my name's name's bruce <laughs> it's such a like an, a caricature australian accent yeah so it was it was 210 teeth is actually fitted in that sequence and all of them were individually animated um for that because i remember watching it again and going seeing all the teeth now what they do really well with the score and with the visuals for that sequence is you see the shark and it's terrifying if you're scared of sharks but obviously there's an element of it's a film they're not going to do anything that perilous and they wanted to try and double down on that so what do they do they put the shark's lair inside a, a, a world war ii minefield with a right. sunken submarine i was thinking about this i was yeah. thinking about this where in the world were they so let me tell you where they were, because I have done some deep oh, diving, you've done, my friend. Oh, you, oh stop. <laughs> you've been deep diving. Oh, that's atrocious. <laughs> now, let me, so let me tell you. So, I've, so I did a bit of research. Um, now, obviously, I've, I'm a big fan of submarines, and I like submarines. Mm-hmm. So um, we, I, I was looking at the submarines, and I guess like there's an easy way and a hard way to look at this. Now, the easy way to look into it was Googling what type of submarine is it. Uh, and so we worked. I worked backwards from there. So the submarine that the sharks take Marlin and Dory to is an American Gato class World War II era submarine. Right. So the submarine they believe it's modeled after the submarine is the USS Flyer or SS two fifty. Yeah. Which was sunk by a mine on war patrol out of Brisbane. So sunk by a mine out out of Brisbane. Hmm. So my now, thought my, is that but the... see my question is yeah. I knew that the war you know touched Australia especially in the north like mm-hmm. north 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 Australia they were mm-hmm. you know because that was like on the fringes of the Japanese empire of course yeah of course but as far as like new south wales kind of area goes I thought like well Brisbane isn't new south wales it's um it's uh not Victoria it's yeah, but you know it's it, it's closer it's closer to there than it is to Darwin, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's on that it's on the east coast. Yes. And heading much much further down, and also I thought, I you know I was just kind of thinking about it's Queensland. I was like I was confused there. Yeah, thought, Queen, is it Queensland. Yeah, it's, yeah Queensland. it's Queensland. But and I, I was also thinking, even though the journey in this movie is sort of build as this really grand epic quest type thing yeah i always imagined that actually the distances weren't that far because they were actually just just tiny fish so i, I always so, yeah so i always just kind of assumed that this reef mm-hmm. was just a wee bit outside of sydney frankly yeah so that's a really interesting point you make because i actually thought the opposite growing up well, I, I think you're supposed that, to think the opposite. Yeah, I always thought that they were off the coast of like um, the, the sort of the maybe like I don't know, the, like of California or somewhere like that. I always thought that's it, and they were crossing the Pacific. I always thought that was the story. Oh, see, I never thought that because you no, see the size of the fishing. boat. But you boat. do see the fishing <laughs> boat exactly. It's the fishing boat. So what my thoughts on this are is that you have. So I, I think we've cracked it. So my thoughts is here's my thoughts is that the the reef 
is, in my opinion, is the Wit Sunday Islands, which is probably about, you know, like a good sort of a half a day, a day's drive north of Brisbane. Right. Um, and because the Wit Sunday Islands is the, the bottom of the Great Barrier Reef. So I okay. believe my theory is the drop off is the southernmost tip of the Great Barrier Reef. Oh, right. Okay, fair. And I believe that Dr. P. Sherman, um, which is a, a, I don't know if you notice, P. Sherman is Fisherman. It's a play on fishermen. Yeah. So I believe that they were diving on the Great Barrier Reef. They were up on a trip up to the Whitsunday Islands. They captured Nemo from there. Yeah. Um, obviously believing that he was lost. Uh, then they then they he went home and he drove back down to Sydney, uh, and taking the taking the fish with him. Uh, and and then so the journey takes place from the south the southern tip of the Great Barrier Reef all the way to Sydney Harbour. And I think that is the story. And along the way, they they bump into Bruce and the sharks. Right. Okay. So Fair. I think that's the route. Anyway, but that's but I love that sequence and and I grin like the point we were making as well was what a what a dark like what a dark visual that was, isn't it? A sunken submarine really with all is. the mines. And then you've it. got like, these tiny, colorful fish just yeah. brought in by this huge, great white. And it and it and it because it did that visceral thing of like I, everyone has that. Personally, I have the I've quite, I guess, not a huge fear, but a bit of a fear of open water. I think and... everyone, I think everyone's got a small, legitimate fear of yeah. open water. And I think that it's the idea that something like that scene is just below the surface. Yeah. You know, a big wreck is just below. You. Oh goodness, like that makes me. Ugh, that shiv- Did you ever see that in a film? You know, I'd be more scared of the, the sharks than like if somebody t- if somebody told me there was a submarine right underneath me. I'd think that was quite cool. I don't think I'd be creeped oh, out. Oh, that. that creeps me out a little bit. I think it creeps me out the idea that every time I see a, a, a ship sinking in a film, and I think that someone's just swimming just as the ship is sinking, I that terrifies me for some reason. There's something really scary about that. Like this big thing is just below you. Oh, I think that for some reason that gets me. That really gets me. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know why, but uh, but yeah. But I find it. I always find it a little bit uncomfortable. That and obviously with the, the sequence of the torpedo hitting the mines and they all exploding. It's yeah. it's it's just really good. Actually, swim away, swim away. Swim away. Um, the other one I want to talk about is the the accents are brilliant and the whole Sydney vibe, the Australia vibe. It's oh, just God. fantastic. So, it's just brilliant. I mean. Jeffrey Rush as the as the pelican. Yeah, as, he's so good. Is it Nigel? Ni- Nigel. Is it Nigel? Yeah, I love and the bit. You... I love the bit. I know we're jump, jumping ahead in the movie, but I love the bit where all the pelicans are are stood up watching. It's like, oh, sun sun's barely up, and already Gerald's um um had more than he can handle. <laughs> And they're just and and then uh, Jeffrey Rush and I just like yeah I reckon somebody should help him there and then they're like and then they're just like yeah 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 oh well I don't know everybody just fly off at once <laughs> and it's just yeah, and you just have yeah. this image of I maybe this is like feeding into a stereotype and I shouldn't be doing this but I'm immediately changing all of those pelicans into beach wearing bogans. Just, yeah, just sitting, just, sitting just on blokes. their deck chair, deck chairs, crack, cracked open a Fosters, and yeah. they're watching a guy struggling, and they're just going, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah." Probably, probably should help him. Probably well, should so, help him. So, so Jeffrey, he actually recorded all of his lines, especially the ones with um, Nemo uh, with with was it, no, it wasn't. It was Marlon and Dory in his mouth. He recorded them all um, with his holding his tongue. Oh so really? Got, okay. Hopefully, I got that impression. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, th- I thought I thought it was amazing. And what brings me back onto the point I made at the start about criminals in this movie was uh, the amazing or the timeless inclusion of the the criminals in this movie being mine, <laughs> mine, mine. The, the just it, there's something so perfect about that joke. Yeah, there's something so perfect about that joke in that they're seagulls and they swoop down they just take whatever they want they take whatever they want and you've got to think in their head they're just thinking that's mine that's mine yeah. like that's mine yeah and it's amazing so the, the point i was making the criminals was the seagulls bear some resemblance to feathers mcgraw who's feathers mcgraw alex no idea feathers mcgraw the antagonist penguin from the wallace and gromit movie the wrong trousers he had a name yeah he had a name oh. he had a name but, I, I honestly, now that you've said that, I can see it in my head. Do you see what I'm I like, mean? That's brilliant, and I, it is, I've isn't never it? known that. So I think that there was an element of they redesigned a lot of the seagulls look around him. And, Feathers and actually, McGraw. Feathers McGraw. That's, I know it's that's just weird. made that movie ten times better for me. The fact that his <laughs> name was Feathers McGraw. But do you know the funny thing is, uh, in the Polish dub of the movie, the seagulls say "daj daj daj," which is pronounced like the English word "die." <laughs> <laughs> But it actually means give in English. But I just love the idea die? that all these singles die. Die. That makes everything so much darker, doesn't it? Oh my god. <laughs> but but the way that it's pronounced is they say die, die, and it's not a question mark, because I, I guess they say the word mine like it's a question. Whereas what I'm reading here of this fact is it's an exclamation mark. So it's die, die, die. <laughs> do you do you know who my who my favorite overly Australian characters are in this movie? Is it is it right. is it Darla? Uh, no, no, no. Well, no, she doesn't even. No, but she doesn't. When I say overly Australian, I mean like with the accents. Oh, it's the crabs, it, isn't it? Well, yeah. Number one goes goes to the crabs. It's like, hey, 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 hey. It's brilliant. I think so I think good. I laugh at that bit the most. They're just they're <laughs> sweet nectar of heaven. Hi, 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 hi. Hi, hi. I love that so much. Do they have like do they have like a knife or something like that, or is it just their claws? No, it's just their claws and they're just like hi, hi, like these boxing or it's like they're it's like they're the aquatic kangaroos or something, boxing kangaroos that like, hi, hi, hi. So I love it so much. That is really and good. the other the other honorable mention for overly Australians got to go for the dentist. Gotta gotta go yes, for the P. dentist Sherman. as well. Because there's one line where he finishes working on a patient and then he goes, oh, excuse me, I gotta go see a man about a wallaby. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, exactly. all right, okay. Yeah, exactly. So we get it, you're Australian. And his and then, wife's his wife's called or this receptionist, the wife's called Barbara. Barbara's his called Dala. 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 Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Overly Australian. And then the other the other fan, fantastic line is when Nigel's in there and then the fish are flying around everyone and he goes, All the animals have gone mad. Hi. Hi, hi, hi. I love that. I fucking love that. I forgot how good that was. Uh, we 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 apologize to any Australian listeners yeah, uh, know, out there, but it's brilliant. It is brilliant. Um, I guess last two things to talk about before we wrap up. Um, so there is a really interesting song that said this at the end, which is "Somewhere Beyond the Sea," but it is not the Frank Sinatra version. It's the Robbie Williams version. And of God this help song. me, I know, I I know. I'm British, so it's automatic. But I do love Robbie Williams. I love Robbie Williams. I too, love Robbie and Williams. And I don't understand the thing with Robbie Williams. He's actually bloody good if you he's listen to all his music. A it's good. 
good singer and he's a clever he's a he's a great musician as well and he Mm. does what he wants like i think a bit of of an idiot though in terms of huge idiot huge idiot but i think this is one of the earliest examples because didn't he start doing a lot of like jazz standards yeah he did so he did swing when you're winning so he did swing when you're winning which was one of his best albums but does this predate that is this is this like the first one that he did Oh, that's a great do you question. think do you think and maybe he did prepared. this and then caught the bug swing when you're winning so this would this would have come out in um the album came out in 2001 no so so this album was released first right so it was okay. released in okay, 2001 fine. and it had somewhere beyond the sea on it so they've obviously just taken somewhere beyond sure. the sea okay okay why why is robbie williams not more cuz he just He's kind of just known in Britain, isn't he? Like, he's just not yeah. big in America. Well, Why the is thing that? is, neither was Take That. Take That was only ever big in Britain as well. Uh, really? And hardly any... I remember a few years ago, because Take That do these huge arena shows, mm, like mm. with the grandiose and the spectacle of anything by Beyonce or Coldplay or any of these global things. Like, they go for that level of production, yeah, right? Yeah, And they sell out those shows as well. Well, I mean, mm. not anymore, but, you know. Mm. Um, but I remember a really interesting moment a few years ago on, it was either Britain's Got Talent or X Factor or one of those shows. And they had an American, they had an American judge on. And the American judge, uh, oh yeah, no, it was X Factor because Gary Barlow did X Factor for right, a bit, okay. didn't he? And right. um, the American judge came on and she had no idea really who take that were she didn't really, really? know who gary barlow was oh, interesting. and then and take that were in the middle of a tour at the moment and so they said and so they took her to a take that show and she yeah. said it was absolutely astonishing yeah and she was like yeah. how have i not heard of take that before yeah and i think yeah. it's i think it's kind of the same with robbie williams as well i mean i'm, I'm i don't know how much international slash American success Robbie Williams had, but I reckon, I reckon they all know Angels. Yeah, yeah, Angels probably. Well, so, so and but let it, but me entertain brings, you, sure. But it brings it brings me on to it brings me on to the band. Obviously, we've you must know BTS. Oh God. But, but, My but, sisters are obsessed with a particular BTS song at the moment, and I'm and. I hate it and love it in equal measure because it's so fun, but yeah. I can hear that it's specifically designed to be all of those things. It's like it's been concocted in a lab, and I but really it is. hate they, well, that. Well, they are. As a band, I think they are. Like they are. Like there's a science behind all their their marketing and everything. Yeah. But the, I just didn't know who they were, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh yeah, these guys are kind of like on the Beatles level of fame. They all oh, they hundred percent. That's not even. That's not even hyperbolic. They properly are. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. You know, and all I they did... need is for one of them to say that they're bigger than Jesus and then they've just done it. <laughs> and and a bit like a bit like on the point of Robbie Williams, no one in America knows. No one in the UK, I couldn't name you one of their songs. I don't know anything about them. BTS. BTS. Yeah. I, I don't know anything. And, and, anyway, just I just thought it was a fun parallel. How yeah. There's some of these artists that just stay in their lanes, they just stay national, and then there's some that just go globe, you know, like Ed Sheeran. You know, he he's he's probably bigger in America than he is in the UK. Yeah. For that for that reason. Yeah, yeah, you know, definitely. It's, it's, it's it's so interesting. Um anyway, sorry, just back to the, the last thing I wanted to say about Finding Nemo was it was the first Pixar film to win the Oscar for Best Animated Feature. Um so Toy Story, Bugs Life, and Toy Story 2 all came out before the award was actually introduced. 
Interesting. Uh, and Monsters Inc. lost to Shrek. Ah, in, 2000, in 2001. What yeah. do we think about that? I don't know. I don't know. What do I... we think about that? Because we love both those movies. Shrek versus Monster Inc. We've done both of those movies. We have, we? yeah. I think we both gave them two thumbs up as well. So, you know. Uh, <laughs> I think Shrek is better because it, it kind of just, it was something new entirely. It was something new entirely. Mm -hmm. And Monsters Inc. was kind of quite close to Bugs Life, Toy Story. Like you could, I can kind of, no, I think that's the right decision. I think yeah. that's the right decision. Purely because it's Scottish as well. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that brings me on to the, I guess, final question, which would have been, uh, how many thumbs up do you have? Oh, I've got one more musical point. Oh, go for it, mate. Go for it. Darla. Yes. Oh, the cycle theme. Rip, the cycle rip, theme. Rip. It's, brilliant. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's so good. Yeah. She wouldn't stop shaking the bag. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, it's so funny, that bit. Like, that's... isn't it brilliant? that one of the creepiest like horror movies ever made creepiest and most famous horror movies ever made and one of the most iconic sounds mm. from that movie being that really aggressive high mm. string stabbing yeah. sort of <laughs> sound isn't it amazing that that's so ingrained in the zeitgeist in yeah. pop culture that yeah. you could put it in finding nemo and play it for laughs <laughs> yeah, isn't that totally. brilliant do you know that do you know the other bit about when darla's introduced is she opens the door she fucking slams it open and one of the picture frames fall yeah but there's something smashes. so just innocently slapstick about that i yeah. just loved it and, and, and her <laughs> movements and the, the, the huge braces in her eyes or why <laughs> Are wide. <laughs> ring, ring, ring. I'm a, a dollar. I'm a piranha. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm a piranha. What a great line as well. Yeah. Because obviously it's like building on the whole thread. There is the Amazon. Oh, oh, it's so good. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, I totally forgot about that one. Yeah. Right. Anyway, answer my first question. Yeah, How two many thumbs, thumbs up. Hundred percent. Yeah, easy, easy to. Such up. an easy one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. forward yeah let's now we've got a couple of things to bring to moving forward yeah. um i guess let's go with the big swinger is that it was confirmed albeit confirmed this week by a number of different sources that um we may be seeing the return of another character from a previous spider-man movie Oofed. now obviously in it's not j john jing jong jing john jonah jonah jameson jameson now I guess, Although he like, is that's... in it, right? Well, that's it. So I guess let's just let's just open this one up to the floor. So there's also been another confirmation, which actually I didn't chat to you a bit about, mate, is that two people are now confirmed. So Benedict Cumberbatch has also been confirmed for Spider-Man oh. Three. Now, what does that? What what are we hinting at? So we have obviously the and the, the person before. Was I'm Jamie not Fox. sure it's really hinting. I don't think you've got to go too far to, you know, see what 
what's going on here because what the is second, going on here well the second doctor strange movie is confirmed as being called multiverse of madness yeah right okay so multiverse confirmed yes okay the idea of the multiverse in actually both in both marvel and dc mm-hmm. because they both have multiverses is you know different versions of the same characters in you know parallel worlds which obviously yeah. gives you the scope to tell any story you want in any world and there's literally nothing sorry you can not hear this guy's do. you can hear this guy's motorbike across the oh uh, again yeah. Again, I reckon we, there's at least we, five or six podcasts we have with that guy as a we special, were, special yeah, he's guest. He's a special guest. Yeah. We were walking actually home last night. We'd had a beer and we were walking home with um, a mate of mine that you know. We were walking past and we saw him chaining up his bike. My mate just shouted across the road, he probably nicked it. And he looked over at us and I'm like, what? What a weird thing to say. Because you've got this guy on the side of the street just locking up his bike. And he, I would, if it was me, I would go, no, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> as if, like, why do you care? <laughs> anyway, he's, he's leaving. Right. Okay. Fine. Actually, I don't care. But he probably did nick it. Where is he? He's gone. Oh, he just he? revs it. He just sits outside and revs it. Oh. We get it, mate. He had a small wheel. <laughs> I was literally just about <laughs> to say that. Um. Anyway, sorry. We were we were talking multiverse because you were you were yeah you were seeing yeah. different characters yeah and... different different characters in different worlds um having different experiences and it basically means that you can do any sort of story you want and mm. lore or continuity doesn't really matter as yeah. long as you just say parallel world or whatever yeah yeah so now, what what this is really going to do is obviously because the marvel cinematic universe is in and itself perfectly contained yes like the the only inconsistencies are well edward norton yeah and terence howard yeah terence howard yeah they're the only like inconsistencies really mm. i'm sure there are maybe a few smaller ones but they're the only really big ones and to be honest like you know when when your movie count is up in the 20s and you've had the sex the you've had the success that you've had sex you've had the sex i mean the 20s and we've had the sex you've had the sex that you've had no you've had the success that you've had you can be forgiven for those things yes now what they're clearly setting up is Oh, in my opinion, is they're opening the door for versions of other characters from films that we've already seen that don't exist within the Marvel Cinematic Universe and bringing it into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, you know, the big the big Marvel hitters in that category would be Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy, mm-hmm. the amazing the amazing spider-man andrew garfield couple of movies and and the x-men oh no let's leave that one for last okay let's 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 do spider-man then x-men first because let's let's talk about so first firstly what do you think about the idea i mean ultimately the internet is already going mad because there's two people who until we hear that they're confirmed or signed on uh this is all speculation but if a Mr. Andrew Garfield and a Mr. Tobey Maguire are at any point even hinted to be seen on any sets or set photos, the internet will go fucking bananas. Absolutely bananas. Absolutely because, bananas. Honestly. And, and, and I would as well. I'd go bananas. I would. And do you know do you know and do you know the thing is, right? Why don't they? Like why why shouldn't yeah. they? 
It's owned by the same company. The because fans... do you honestly think? Do you honestly think that those two actors would say no? I don't think they would. I don't think so. I think maybe Andrew Garfield might, but they need to be very careful how they do this. But what an amazing thing to do! I think like, Andrew an Garfield would be the most likely one to say yes, actually. Oh really? I yeah. Too. Because I think he. Because I know I, he got a little bit burnt though. He did get burned. He did get burned, but he's always, always said that he loves spider-man so much and i think the 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 scope of the pitch for that movie like as far as what they're going to try and do with that movie if that happens like you'd want to do that as an actor wouldn't yeah. you yeah i think so i mean it, and i just don't I, know about actually, toby Maguire because he's not really been in much no he's else. not I, I and i think they could they could do it well where they could write him in i guess like let's let's think about you know like one of the the elephant in the room here is that into the spider-verse obviously yeah. came out and that was a hugely popular movie and it kind of opened the door for like this it it exposed it to mainstream fans and mainstream fans kind of went we love this yeah um which is kind of where the i i, I can't help thinking but the but the react the positive reaction to into the spider-verse has kind of influenced this decision i yeah. think and you could have a situation where someone like Tobey Maguire could come back. Maybe he doesn't yeah. come back as swinging pirate Spider-Man, but maybe he's like the older Spider-Man yeah. that we see. And so he's like the older Peter Parker. But here's and... a question. Here's a question. Even if like, you've got the same characters from different worlds, shouldn't they just, shouldn't they look the same? What do you, what do you mean? As in just theoretically. Yeah. If you had pa parallel worlds and stuff, yeah, wouldn't you assume that if oh, I see you the existed, point you're making. Uh, yeah. if you if you Callum existed yeah. in another world, you would assume that you would look the same. Well, no, but that's not no because that like the theory of a multiverse is that there is every type of universe possible out there. And what if there's a universe out there where you look ever so slightly different, but everything else around you is exactly the same? Yeah, and I suppose the idea is if you can say what if, yeah, then it exists. Yeah, that's the that's yeah. the concept yeah, of the multiverse, and I and so obviously they're gonna they're gonna kind of play down that route. But I, I you know, and, and then you have the Spider Verse where the 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 worlds that they're in uh, impact the person that the Miles Morales is and Miles Morales meets with Spider Man, and obviously that's the other thing that we're missing from this. Every, everyone's getting very fixated on the fact that there's there potentially could be three Spider Mans, but this is the best way you kind of just have a miles morales steel center stage as well yeah so spider-man they three, haven't cast yet have they They haven't cast no uh and then there's obviously a spider gwen option as well mm -hmm. like the the it's what they have done with this is absolutely magnificent and i and i and obviously it comes back from the fact that jamie fox will be returning as electro yeah. from the andrew garfield yeah. one and which you know a lot you know since this came out on the internet people people are like Oh, I didn't like Jamie Foxx in that. And I'm like, yeah, but let's not forget Jamie Foxx is a brilliant actor and that yeah, was just a yeah, terrible yeah, yeah. movie. So, yeah, exactly. you know, stop being stupid. <laughs> exactly. We could, you know, we could get a Jamie Foxx in this universe and then Andrew Garfield comes over and, you know, knows how to yeah. fix his teeth without having electrodes fixing yeah. his teeth. The what the question that I would have is about John Joman, Jonah Jameson. Yeah, well, because obviously because we've, we've had he him. already exists. Mm. But then is he the example that I, you know, I asked the question of if you had different versions of yourself in other realities, wouldn't you look the same? Yeah. Is he actually not a multiverse character? He's just John Jonah Jameson and it's the same and it's the same guy. 
Well, yeah, but again, I'll put back to you the the multiverse can be that everyone else looks exactly the same, but you look ever so slightly different. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. there is potentially, yeah, that, that that one of the continuities is that John Jonas Jameson looks the same because we never saw John Jonas Jameson. No, we didn't. Andy, and Andy he, he is brilliant. I he's I think the one of the biggest reasons I would go back and watch the Sam Raimi spider-man oh yeah he's, per- he's is, lifted from the comic book yeah he's and he's seen from the stealing he's absolutely seen stealing when he's on yeah. screen yeah uh and then let's talk a little, so I, I think all all in for that but then what does that do for the x-men yeah well now i i'm gonna you know claim and you just gonna have to trust me on this that i've been quoting multiverse for years as a way to get the x-men into sure. the marvel cinematic universe sure. And the reason, and the, the purely the reason being is the core movies of the X Men franchise. I mean, the the last few ones have been absolute dog shit, yeah. but the core ones, so X Men One, X Men Two, for example, Days of Future Past, and stuff like mm, that. Mm. They've just been they've been really really good movies. Yeah, and yeah. if you can bring that world into your franchise, yeah and and keep it intact yeah at the same time why yeah. wouldn't they do that well, now, the i'm not so convinced of it now just because as i said they've kind of not done very well in the last couple no. of outings for yeah. for the x-men i've not seen new mutants yet but i have seen dark phoenix and oh my god that was bad <laughs> but it's Jesus. but it's the idea and i read somewhere what would be really an interesting way to explore is that it, we obviously know the timeline of the last 10 10 years of the avengers movies what would be interesting is when you introduce the x-men through the multiverse is that there's a multiverse out there somewhere where those last 10 years have also happened you still have obadiah stain you've still had you know um i guess like you still had loki you've still had whiplash you still had all the characters all the way through but it's been the X-Men that's been saving the day and the X-Men that have been saving New York as opposed to the Avengers. Uh, right, okay. So the whole 10 years has actually happened, but it's just been sorted out by the X-Men. Yeah. I think there's a lot of very, very interesting awesome. ways that it can go down with. And and inevitably, we'll, as a fan base and as the internet, we'll be able to guess some things, but not exactly how it will of be. Course. And that that's what's going to be really inter- interesting to see, and that's what will get my my ticket price. Mm. Uh, but there's one thing I really want them to be careful of because what's if that? they introduce, is it wolves? It's wolves. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's little dogs, scared okay, nice. shitless of little dogs. Yeah. No, I think the multiverse is obviously such a amazing tool for storytelling, but. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they will be in danger mm-hmm. of devaluing what has come before? And what and what I mean by that is the the threat levels and the stakes, that the height of the stakes for all the Thanos stuff for Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah, because what was, if what if the X Men kill so, Thanos? <laughs> was yeah, but it, it, no, but it's not even to do with like power levels. It's not even to do with power levels. It's more kind of like theoretically the the idea that if all these universes exist then why should we care about just one just one reality because we've cared about a set group of characters in one set reality and mm. our tensions and our perception of threat 
is based on our association with that reality. And if they yeah. go, oh yeah, but there's infinite of those. Yeah. Then why the should we making. care? Yeah, I know the point you're making. And I feel like that would devalue it because but I feel like, you know, Endgame without mm. us caring about those characters and us caring about that world would be a hot bloody mess. Yeah. Like, it would. But, 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 but lest we forget, mate, right? Lest we forget, the, the, there's what you've got to remember is we're saying the word infinite. We're throwing the word infinite, but you and I cannot comprehend infinite. Yeah. Okay. And infinite universes for them means an opportunity. That's a blank check for them to yeah. create whatever they want. Yeah. But it doesn't actually mean infinite because what you will then end up, what we'll probably end up seeing at the very biggest scenario is probably about half a dozen universes that clash over. Yeah. We'll ne- we're never going to see because because we can't comprehend infinity. That that's the point of infinity. You, we we don't even have we don't even have to comprehend infinity. I for me because I have thought about this. Even if I if I comprehend one other universe. You struggle with the one. No, no, no. genuinely, <laughs> let's just take it back down to its yeah, most yeah. fundamental level. I'm just thinking about one universe, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, okay, in that universe, it's a bit selfish. In that, in that one extra universe, none of the end game shit matters. Yeah, and you could just have a reset button. Even that instantly devalues end game for yeah, me. Yeah, I know the point. I know the point you're making. That's a, that's a really good point. I mean, what 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 would be a way to then not devalue it? What about if we had a quick image on the next I guess the in phase 5 where we see the final battle in end game, but the kind of Avengers assemble where they all assemble. It's all the X-Men doing that because they've half of them been snapped and then it and then cut forward to the next scene where he puts the glove on and he goes and I I'm Wolverine, and Hugh Jackman snaps his fingers and he dies, and then you introduce the new he would ne- Wolverine. He would, he, would, he would never snap his fingers, he'd snap his claws. He'd yeah, just, exactly. he just, like, knock them together. Yeah, but wouldn't that be pretty cool? You know, like, if you saw that whole sequence again with all the X-Men doing it, instead of all the Avengers? Nah. And, then, and that was the tie-in, because then you keep that level of, like, threat. The threat's still high, regardless of what parallel universe you're in. Um, no, I know what you mean. I yeah. know what you, they've got to be, they've got to trade. Yeah. Here no, them. I mean, you know, I'm all in, obviously I'm all in, but there's just the, the doubt at the back of my mind that I, that, you know, these are still people that are making these movies. Yeah. I, I am not under the belief that every Marvel movie will continue to be nines and well, tens for the rest it. of time. Yeah. That's like, it. It's, it's only a matter of time. At what point until up. they start churning out shit? genuinely (laughs) call me a pessimist but you know well well we will have to wait and see we will um have you got anything else to bring to moving forward i've got one other little thing to bring yeah i've got like a tiny little thing just uh, and just that i've been playing a lot more of star wars squadrons which we oh yeah which we talked about a bit last week and it's Mm. good yeah. It's really good. The mechanics of it, just the game mechanics of it are worth getting it and playing it because okay. it's so well thought out and it's so well balanced. It's mm. hard, especially multiplayer. Multiplayer is really, really hard, but it's not unplayable hard. It's just challenging hard. Yeah, And just the mechanics alone, I think, are just fantastic. And I, and I want them to do more with it because as of as of recording there's no planned dlc or any extra content apparently it's just this one self-contained product mm, mm. which i'm like mm, that would be a shame because it is very 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 well designed and very very pretty as well overall so you recommend, recommend definitely a recommend i would okay, love I to play it with you actually it. i would love yeah, to play it with I'll you i'll buy i'll buy it at some point i'll buy it at some point i think 
Um, fine, cool. Well, that's 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 good to hear. Well, I'll, we'll probably keep you up to date if we do end up <laughs> yes. buying it. Um, I've <laughs> this got, week I'm, on Squadrons News. <laughs> so I've got three things, and I've I've basically been quite impressed with Netflix recently. Dropped yeah. quite a few little little bitties. Um, so there's there's two things, and we're, we're going to do the boys next week because obviously it's wrapping up this week, and we've not well the last episode has just come out now, but I've not watched it yet. Have you? No. No, you're, so why don't we do the boys next week? Okay. Last moving forward. Um, but this week, let's. Uh, so the, the Netflix impress. So I've got two things impressed and one trailer that dropped. And rather than talking about all three, I'm going to be spinning the cups around, and you can only chat about one. So we have The Devil All the Time, a new movie that came out with uh, to- Tom Tom Holland. Yeah. Um, that was in it, which which I watched. There is the Netflix series that's just dropped, Ratchet. Um, which kind of follows the story of Nurse Ratchet from the story of One Flew Over oh, the yeah. Nest. And we had a trailer for The Witches. Now, we're not going to go into all three. Which one do you want to talk about? Oh, I kind of want The Witches, actually. Did, I knew you would want to talk about The Witches because <laughs> I didn't want to talk about that one the most, which is why I hid it at the back. But you obviously have moved the other two things out of the way. Um, no, the reason I chose it is because this is news to me. What is this? Is this Roald Dahl? Yeah, have you not seen no. the Witches have a, has a trailer that's just come out? No. It's uh, Anne Hathaway playing the story. Now I actually don't know the original film that well. Oh, it's um, I do remember It's yeah, so and I, scary though. It, it is quite scary. <laughs> I remember because Maddie always talks about it. So there's a sequence um, that, that kind of re- it, it looks very much like a modern day reinterpretation where I think it's Anne Hathaway who's playing the lead witch. Oh, uh, the grand, the big grand, the grand, witch. The, grand the grand witch. Yeah. Um, but no, it looks good. I, I mean, it's it's uh, look. What, what can I tell you? It's it's a it's a kind of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory esque version of the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory um, style esque. Like, is it directed by Tim Burton? Uh, it, no, it. But it looks quite like that ilk. Like it's really? a lot more colourful and a lot more. Oh, you would, right, yeah, okay. I, I'd say watch it. I'd say watch it. It's really interesting. Genuinely, what, genuinely, I think I've watched the Johnny Depp Charlie and the Chocolate Factory like twice in my life and i don't think oh, i enjoyed right. it either times yeah no uh no so it's it's robert zemeckis who's doing it this oh okay one. so and it says on the trailer it says the reimagining by robert zemeckis which i'm neither here nor there on um but yeah han hathry plays the grand high witch um, really interesting so chris chris rock is in this he's the kind of narrator and the, i guess the one of the wee boys which i i always love chris rock he's a great obviously like growing up we watched a lot of everybody hates chris yeah and he is the best narrator in the world like i actually prefer his narrator um you know like to a lot of other narrators that i've like watched and listened to over the times like he's the, he's he's so funny and he brings a lot of his personality to it and um, but someone else i was going to talk about is the, in the mr stringer who's the like, i guess the hotel owner in the original right. witches um so orig- that's been played by stanley tushi and um, but it was believed that it was originally supposed to tushi. be going act Tushi, sorry, Tuki, Tushi. Tucci. Uh, Tucci. It was it was Tucci. Kind of, he's in as in good. as in oh doesn't Stanley have a nice one? Oh doesn't he? Yeah. Uh but he it was supposed to be uh Rowan Atkinson. Oh right, okay. supposed to play him, yeah. So I thought that would be an interesting an interesting part. But no, um that I am looking forward to it. I believe it's out very, very soon. Well, actually. you you, uh, you believe that, but the way cinemas are going. No, I think it's going straight to streaming. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, okay, interesting. I think it's going straight to streaming. Who's making it? Um, that is a question that you have. Okay, and that's <laughs> I posed. What you've just done is asked a question. Ah. Uh, and I'm stalling for time because what you did was ask a question. And it was a great question. Yeah, I think it was so a fairly normal question so under the circumstances. There was, yeah, there was a cascading questions that fall within the different purview i'm just talking words because i cannot honestly find it <laughs> all right uh, i think i think it's going to go to netflix okay um but it is a 28th 
So it's the 28th of um, October, which is when it's being released. Okay, fair enough. So stand by for that one. Well, I touched Um, briefly on, you know, the dire situation that cinemas are in. Shall we quickly uh, wrap up with that news? I think so, yeah. Let's, let's, I guess it's uh, it's an in memoriam, this isn't it really? Um, sad news, of course, that uh, the the chain Cineworld, um, which has obviously got, I think it's 128 cinemas in the UK. The largest, it's the largest uh, cinema operator in the UK. Yeah. Now there's only one in Edinburgh growing up. It was actually by Fountain Park. Yeah. Was the Cineworld there? That's the only IMAX. That's the only IMAX in Edinburgh as well. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Um, but of course, yeah, it's um, it's no longer. It's had to close its doors, laying off over 5,500 uh, 5, staff, which is devastating. That is devastating. Um, it really is. And it's a real hit for the British uh, film and TV industry. Yeah. Um, now, that obviously, a lot of people are tying it to the fact that No Time to Die has been postponed yet again. Yeah. Uh, there's no, as, they, as they say and, on our favourite podcast. Tenet didn't do its job. It didn't no. get people into the cinema. It's like, imagine, ugh. imagine, like, getting angry. It's, it's what, uh, I mean, it's... <sighs> It, it's bad yeah. like that's bad whatever way you, you wherever you skin the cat no one is no one's winning from this and yeah. that's a really big fall you know that that's that that's a really big loss yeah. um for the industry and 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 you know because i mean like don't get me wrong film it makes me wonder how how sustainable are companies like odeon and and uh and and uh, what's some of the other sort of massive cinema brands yeah. out there but i mean you know like i think the important it, thing to remember is you know, remember when uh, was it was it Thomas Cook that folded recently? Yeah, like and it, but it was p- before the pandemic, right? Yeah, yeah. What happened? You know, fast forward to now is somebody bought bought the company, yeah, for peanuts, yeah, and just used the infrastructure that was already there to build it back up. So all of these cinemas are still gonna be there. So yeah. what's gonna happen is they're just going to be picked up by another chain. Because do you remember what View was back in the day? No, what was View? It was like Warner Cinemas or something like that. Oh, that's right, because it still has, yeah. Um, it was like, yeah. And it had the big Warner Brothers. It was like Warner Brothers Cinemas or something like that? Or was yeah, it View, was, was, it, was it actually just Warner Cinemas? Warner Cinemas. It might be, but it, it still has that that almost like uh, inline, what was it, cinema? That, that, that kind of like, you know that logo? It's the old film reel. It has that, yeah exactly which I think and it had the warner had. it had the warner media that one it had the warner warner media logo so mm-hmm. you know there's still going to be these cinemas and i'm not saying that it's okay that companies like cineworld are allowed to go bust i don't think they are i think they need support yeah warner cinemas I, was view you're right yeah and i i think these industries need support and there's mm-hmm. no support from well i'm just speaking from on behalf of brits from our government there's like zero support for a lot of companies and people in the entertainment sector i'm going to hold it up to the webcam warner view cinemas warner warner village warner village cinemas but you're right i mean it's 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 crazy to think that but at the same time it i mean what what what's what's one of the solutions do you think that local chains are going to buy these and it's going to go back to the smaller bespoke cinemas i mean if you think about it like if if one of these cineworld i mean they were typically always placed in large shopping complexes yeah, and stuff yeah, so yeah. you've kind of you've kind of removed the personality almost of it already yeah. but you know there there was 
it's I don't even know what's going to happen. Yeah, like, I don't gonna know what's going to happen gonna be, to this. It's going to be weird. And you know, my my heart goes out to you know all the workers of these you know companies who are suddenly like out of a job, and you know yeah. the 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 lack of that kind of like identity as well because we all went to a cinema world at some point, yeah. but those cinemas are still going to be there at some point. We we will go to the cinema again. We did. We went mm, to see Tenet. Mm, and mm. actually, I was fine with how it turned out. You know, as far yeah. as social distancing uh, worked and the experience and all that. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's an odd, you know it's an you... odd one. But you know, we'll, do you know we'll come what I've out thought for a end. while? Do you know what I've thought for a while? Do you know what would be really interesting is if cinemas did some sort of model where they could do gaming where you and your friends could go in and book out for an hour and, you know, do a split-screen gaming experience all in on, there. On, on, There's maybe on like four of you. On one massive yeah. screen. On the one massive screen. You book Christ. out for half an hour or, or, or a minute. Like, an hour. Wouldn't that be fun? That'd be mad. You'd make fun. a bit of cash that way. You could make a bit of cash and you could keep people distant. Yeah. And you wouldn't, that keep you wouldn't make enough cash to make it financially no. viable. Because how well, much moment, would you actually pay for that? You'd, want, you'd only want yeah. to pay, like, a tenner. Yeah, yeah. But at the moment, I mean, like, are these old reruns of films, are these really gaining traction? Are people actually going to see all these reruns of these old movies? Like, To be honest, I've been wanting to go to one because be- yeah. because there's all these movies like your Harry Potters and your Indiana Jurassic Jones Park and Jurassic Park and Matrix and all these things that are being rerun in the cinema. And you're like, I wouldn't mind seeing that in the cinema. Well, I wouldn't mind seeing yeah. that in the cinema. And I really yeah. want, I'm, I'm really thinking I'm, I might go to one. I'm, I find myself on the View website looking mm. at what's up and just looking for like the perfect evening off and movie combination yeah to go and you know to go and see it the perfect combination that probably is never going to exist in our professional it's never going to exist anyway but that, that that's interesting interesting discussion mate well i yeah. think we've talked our ears off oh, we have, for yeah. quite quite long enough um what do they have to do now got to go onto the apple podcast app give us a cheeky little five star rating do and it's all there it is all there it's all in app and you can also leave us a cheeky little review if you don't want to review the show you could also tell us what your favorite movie is what your favorite soundtrack is composer whatever and mm. You can also find us on Spotify and a bunch of other places that people find podcasts as well because we get pushed out to all those things. Mm. And if you want to write into the show, we have an email address. What's the email address, Callum? The email address is motionspod at gmail.com. And on that email address, you can write in any uh, idea for a music and movie that you would like us to review. As I said, we, we are slowly getting through. Finding Nemo was one that, that was in the pile and we wanted to do yeah. it as well. So that was a perfect storm. And as Alex says, it would be lovely if we could get a, a lovely review. Uh, just like one that Jason wrote for us the other day. So Jason put a lovely five-star review in. And his review says, roll a piece of plastic paper into a cone or use the plastic cone that is easily available in the market. Uh, this will be the nose cone of the rocket. Feel free to use a coloured or patterned paper to design the rocket. Uh, and wrap the nose cone with duct tape, and this will have a stronger, more water-resistant effect. That sounds like a Saturn V to me. Thank you very much, Jason. We really appreciate your review of the show. Uh, and, I, and I think reviews like that really just kind of, you know, they spur us on and they, they keep us they moving. We, it's the sort of stuff we like. Anyway, do we know what we're doing next week? Uh, oh, yes, we do. We do. I, oh, are we oh, back the, under the, the sea? Oh, no, are we, we are. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. It's Aquaman. I've not seen it yet. Oh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Trust me. Trust me. It's going to be fun. Do you your house to watch this? Yeah, you do. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we've started, it's, so I guess we it's finished. Fine. Uh, you know, you know, you've been around it for for enough of them now. I've got a nice setup, nice TV. Yeah. Oh, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll, we always have some nice beer. Yeah, I've got beers here I can bring. Oh, fabulous. That's that fantastic. Excellent. Right, okay, it's Aquaman next week. You heard it here first. Yeah. Right, I gotta go. I gotta get out of here. <laughs> I gotta get out of this fucking house trapped. I'm gonna climb out the window so that Maddie doesn't know. Brilliant. Maybe maybe the guy with the motorbike across the street can uh, help you make a getaway. Nah, fuck him. He's dead to me. I hate that guy. <laughs> Making so much noise. All right, it's honestly sick of it. I'm gonna pop his bloody tires. Imagine that. Imagine that. <laughs> Kill Sneak the out in the dead of night with your pajamas and a Phillips screwdriver. It's, it's just prod. sickening. It's anyway. sickening. Right. Very, very nice to speak to you again, Alex. And very. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, what was going to say there? Oh, yeah. We will see you all again next week, or hopefully you can listen again next week. Yeah. But until then, bye, everybody. All right, guys. Ta ta.